Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi will no longer be in leadership. She is currently the Speaker of the House. That speakership is set to end when Republicans take control of the House in January of 2023. And Nancy Pelosi announced on the floor of the House yesterday she is not going to be seeking a leadership role, but she will be staying in Congress. The Associated Press reporting that this is a quote pivotal realignment, making way for a new generation of leaders. Nancy Pelosi gave a speech. She said that, uh, first of all, she has led Democrats for nearly 20 years. Secondly, she is dealing with the aftermath of this brutal attack on her husband, Paul Pelosi, last month in their San Francisco home. She was the first female speaker of the House, and she will not seek any leadership role starting in January. She says we must move boldly into the future. I will not seek reelection to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hour has come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. She received a standing ovation. And um, it is not typical that a party leader stays on after withdrawing from the leadership. She was reelected and there is much speculation about whether this will be her final two year term. She is 82 years old. Um, we don't know the answer to that, but Nancy Pelosi made it clear and it is horrifying when you are influenced in your plans by such a horrifying attack like what happened to Paul Pelosi, because to some degree you feel as though you're I'm letting them push me out. But there were already questions about Nancy Pelosi's future. Whatever you think about her politics and I am to Nancy Pelosi's left, you have to recognize not only the significance as the first female speaker of the House, but her 20 year tenure in Democratic leadership and her ability to get things done. They're not necessarily the most exciting things always. They're not necessarily the things I would prioritize, but she did understand how the House of Representatives worked. And while I have taken issue with Nancy Pelosi so many times on specifics, um, quite a career, quite a career. So Nancy Pelosi stepping down from leadership will stay in the House of Representatives. Fox News is now targeting John Fetterman's wife. This is a real study in character assassination as carried out by the American right wing and media apparatus. Let's look at the clips first and then I'm going to explain. Um, Aaron Rupar assembled what was a roughly 24 hour period of attacks on Giselle Fetterman. Take a look at this going after Senate Senator elect John Fetterman's wife, Giselle, after she posted this pic. Many were quick to point out that her husband is partially cropped out and accused Mrs. Fetterman of using it for her own 15 minutes of fame. OK, so so far it's all fun and games, right? But let's continue. Uh, one critic said she wanted this so badly for herself, LOL. Another first day for Senator-elect Giselle Fetterman. And why is she even there? Your thoughts? Well, she's a lot better looking than he is. So as a man who's married to a wife that is far better looking, I'm sure John Fetterman would say, I don't even need to be in this photo. <laughs> but he's not able to do the job, Harris. And, uh, and the reality here is that it does feel as if basically Pennsylvania has elected his wife, and she certainly is furthering Ooh. that idea uh, with these photos. Maybe she's going to step down. Oh, so even though it's a joke, 
there's still a truth in this. And now listen to this conspiracy theory. I'll back up, back it up a few seconds. His wife, and she certainly is furthering oh. that idea uh, with these photos. Maybe she's going to step down and the new uh, Democrat governor-elect is going to end up appointing her when her husband can't do the job. Uh, what? I, I still am so embarrassed that we could ever be in a situation where John Fetterman got elected in Pennsylvania. It's an utter failure of Pennsylvanians that he's their representative. Well, look, uh, every Republican uh, lawmaker that's dissecting this that you interview will tell you that they're going to take a close look at how polling was wrong. They, they really want to know what happened, not just in this race, because you know. <laughs> what happened is Oz lost. That's what happened. So Max Kennerly explains the mechanism that is at play here. Fox does it and many do it. OK, this is Max writes. This segment is a case study of the four part Fox News method. Number one, pick a villain, preferably a woman and or minority. Giselle immigrated from Brazil. OK, that's number one. Number two, find something innocuous. The Fetterman's have a long running gag about John not fitting in pictures. So the fact that in the picture she posted, John Fetterman is only partially in the picture. It's a known gag. It's a thing that they've had going for a while. It's, it's just a joke. OK, then Max Kennerly goes on to explain. Number three is you reframe the innocuous thing as contemptible. And the fact that John Fetterman only partially is in the picture, even though it's a long running joke, is because Giselle is self-centered. It's because maybe she's really in charge. It's maybe because Fetterman can't do the job because of his stroke, etc. And then part four is you inject that completely deranged conspiracy theory, which is John is actually incapacitated and there's a plot for him to resign. And then Josh Shapiro, who defeated Doug Mastriano to become the next governor, will appoint Giselle Fetterman to be the next senator from Pennsylvania. That's that's the four part system. That's really what's contemptible. And unfortunately, because you and I, we understand the parts and we go, OK, here's how they go from one to two to three to four. A lot of the Fox News viewers will just focus on that last thing. Yeah, you know what? This is a plot. Fetterman can't do the job because of the stroke. And so this is all to make Giselle Fetterman, an immigrant from Brazil, woman of color, a senator, even though she wasn't elected. There's no evidence for that, obviously. Uh, this stuff works. Max Kennerly doing a good job of explaining how. I want to revisit something we talked about earlier in the week. And we talked about it with Angelo Carasone from Media Matters, and we've talked about it in other contexts. Is Fox News actually turning on Donald Trump? Our best assessment up until November 7th was Fox News isn't really turning on Trump, but they'd rather someone else be the nominee. They'd rather be done with Trump and they are setting up escape hatches where they can hit the eject button if necessary. I'm starting to wonder whether Fox News is going more in the direction of openly turning on Trump. Now, there's a very interesting clip wherein Stuart Varney interviews Trump's daughter in law, Lara Trump. Now, this is particularly interesting because Lara Trump is a Fox News contributor. So this is not just a guest. This is a Fox anchor interviewing a Fox employee, Lara Trump. And he brings to her, Varney does, that announcement on Tuesday night didn't seem very good. It really didn't seem particularly good. And it's interesting the way this conversation goes. Take a look. Uh, so I'm sure you're very supportive of, of, of your father-in-law, <laughs> but those of us on the outside looking at it, it didn't seem that he got the old magic. You know what I mean? 
Oh, well, I highly disagree with that. Look, for Donald Trump, from the very beginning, from the first day he came down the escalator in 2015. Right. That's the famous speech where he talked about Mexican rapists. In Trump Tower, it's never been about elected officials, politicians, people, uh, you know, in the swamp in D.C. It's been about the American people. And if you look around the room last night, you had people from all different walks of life. The energy there at Mar-a-Lago was absolutely incredible. It really did, to me, feel like the 2015-2016 campaign all over again. Like <laughs> OK, so this is Trump's daughter in law and a Fox News contributor who is paid for that commentary that you just saw. But there was no energy in the room. I mean, we, we looked at the clips. The energy was so bad. People were trying to leave and Mar-a-Lago staff were keeping them in the room. The energy was so bad that Jonathan Carl from ABC, while Trump was speaking, was able to deliver a live stand up report, not talking particularly loudly because it was so dead in the room. So there may be something different going on. I think it's too early to know. Remember from a couple days ago, Maria Bartiromo, who has been one of the biggest Trump suck ups for years now. There's no Trump conspiracy theory too crazy for Maria. She hosted a segment wherein she brought guests on and even she made comments that are kind of like we might be over Trump. That's that's the thing that people keep pushing back on. They don't want to go into a whole nother storm of hate. And there is Trump derangement syndrome. Right. There's definitely touch. And, and I think he started even that last night. He started with the China virus. He started with, you know, uh, poking names at DeSantis. We've heard that. And people are tired of it. Look, I also think that, you know, DeSantis and Youngkin, like you said, are really the future of the party. Right. They're, they're in a generation that I think needs to come forward. And as much as you you know, his policies were good. Trump's policies were good in the first in the first term. I, I don't think the majority of the country really wants to go back there. I'll tell you, I live in Florida. Florida's fully behind DeSantis, no matter what Trump wants to tell you. They are fully behind DeSantis. Mm. You know, it's interesting, Ivanka Trump. Ivanka Trump yesterday says she's bowing out of politics. Yeah, which we covered extensively already. So listen, I'll leave the question to you. Is Fox News proactively bailing on Donald Trump or are they just leaving themselves an exit? Let me know. In the comments, make sure that you were subscribed on YouTube. Three million of you, 3.2 million of you last month watched the videos, didn't subscribe. Let's chip away at that and get to 2 million subscribers. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. Quick break, back after this. I love reading. I read every day. No matter how I arrange my schedule, I never have enough time to read all the books that I want, which is why Blinkist has been such an important part of my life for years now. Our sponsor Blinkist is the app that takes thousands of nonfiction books, boils them down into an explainer that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes, which includes all the most important takeaways from the book. With Blinkist, I can absorb the essence of 15 different books in an afternoon so I can quickly gather insights from all sorts of perspectives, make connections, have those kind of aha moments that don't happen so easily, which is why I feel enriched when I use Blinkist. Blinkist also summarizes episodes of popular podcasts into 15 minute explainers. And with the Blinkist Connect feature, my girlfriend and I can share one account, share books, podcasts with each other, talk about them on the go. And don't forget, Blinkist makes the perfect holiday gift. My audience can try Blinkist free for seven days and get 25% off after that. Go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman.
That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you Nerd Wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The chances that your login credentials have been leaked in a data breach are higher than you might think, but you can actually check. If you go to aura.com slash Pacman, you can try Aura for free. Our sponsor Aura scans the dark web for your personal information, login credentials, social security number, and sends you alerts. Sign up, and you could be shocked to see how many alerts you get. On Aura, one of our team members found his login credentials in three different data breaches. Now, of course, he changed his passwords right away. I've told you before about one of my accounts getting hacked. Scary feeling. But Aura also does so much more by automatically requesting the removal of information from data search engines, giving you fast alerts on suspicious credit inquiries. Aura has password management, malware protection for all of your devices. And Aura also helps you manage what your kids can do on their devices by restricting certain apps. It's really like a Swiss Army knife of online security. And you can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pakman Show is, of course, an audience funded program. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. The new coupon code, please, no more Trump. And you you type it with no spaces, but you have to think of it in your head as please, no more Trump. It's like a desperation that the guy not be president again. That code will save you bigly, and you can use it at joinpacman.com. Let's hear from people in the audience, the most important people, because without you, I'm a guy in a room with a mic and no one's listening. And it's sad. OK, we don't want that. Let's start today with Rose, I guess, calling from the United States. Is that you, Rose? Yes. Can you hear me clearly? Yes. The United States is so general. You could you could be anywhere, you know. True. Uh privacy preserving. So um, did you watch the launch of uh, the SLS and the Artemis one mission? You know, I did not see it, but I saw, you know, a little bit of a replay. Oh, it was it was unexpectedly moving and spectacular, like the plume itself from the rocket was like a mile long. Yes, that's a lot of pollution. It sounds like Rose. Well, I know it's it's hydrogen and oxygen, so it's mostly ionized gases. It's just water vapor. Oh, is that so, right? Is that true? Yeah. Uh, the the first stage is hydrogen and oxygen. The solid rocket boosters they they do burn uh, fuel, um, but yeah, most of the output is just water. All so right. Well, if that's it, true, then really- I I like water. Water is good. 
Yeah. Um, the question I wanted to ask was that it took us um, 11 years at this point, 10 years, a decade, to get to this launch. And the program so far has cost around $27.5 billion yeah. in, in $2022, right? And I am, I, I'm just, it, and the reason why we have, this is like a 62.5% off of Twitter, in like Elon units. Um, the, so the reason why we have that is because a single senator from the great state of Alabama, Senator Shelby, uh, wanted to save jobs in a state. So we have an entire $27.5 billion program because of him, not because like, People at NASA wanted to do this, and this was the best technical way forward, mm -hmm. but mostly because of uh, congressional and Senate interference in the process. Um, have you given thought to how we can get past this kind of corruption? Well, I like would like to see one of the things in general. I mean, I can't speak to the exact process you're describing because I did not follow it clearly as closely as you did. But one of the things I would prefer to see when it comes to everything in under the umbrella of science, and I would include space exploration there is if there could be a way to depoliticize some of the decisions, like, of course, the jobs for a lot of this spending will disproportionately be in some states and not others that I, there's no real way around that. You're not going to be able to say, let's do space exploration and divide the money equally among 50 states. It's not going to happen. So I know uh, they that actually will be so do that. Sorry. Um, uh, so if, if you're presenting a contract, like when Boeing presents a contract or even SpaceX, they actually make sure that they have suppliers from all 50 states. From all, so what have, do they have from North Dakota for this project? Uh, like uh, something from Tarknut or something. There's a list of suppliers okay. that I've, uh, yeah. I was that's, watching on that. That's great. But I think the point still stands that you don't have exactly yeah. equal dollar for dollar and job for job division across exactly. all 50 states. So there's going to be some elected officials that will be more incentivized than others maybe to go with a particular approach. I don't know yes. if we need a nonpartisan advisory committee, which there, I'm sure it probably exists at least in some name, but clearly it's not effective enough because you still get these extremely political uh, outcomes. I don't know what it is. It's something that needs to be equivalent to the ways we could redraw districts more fairly. But I would love to see more scientists involved in figuring out Rather than doing it this way, which is most appealing to these senators, we should do it this way, which is actually where the most exciting um, uh, potential rewards exist based on where the science is. And I don't know what the answer is, Rose, as to exactly how you do that. So um, in Europe, um, like CERN, for example, gets a specific uh, inflation adjusted contribution from member states. Mm -hmm. Member states get to get send people to their uh, council, which sits on top and like basically votes on spending decisions by CERN. Uh, if CERN wants to build a big particle collider, they start decades in advance. Like they've already started for uh, saving money and setting aside debt and financing and everything else for a collider that's going to be built in the 2040s to the 2050s, right? So they plan in like a 30, 40 year time horizon. NASA is constrained by the yearly budget and they have to spend every single penny in that yearly budget. And 
they're not allowed to save money. That makes sense. Yep, that right? absolutely. That <laughs> I, I totally understand that mechanism. I, I do think that having to plan 30 or 40 years ahead also makes the, the, the progress at least seem slower. And I don't know if that will work for an American audience that wants to see action more quickly. But I think we should explore all of these options. And I really appreciate the call, Rose. Of course. Thanks for taking the call, David. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. There is Rose from the United States. Let's go to Dean from Dallas, Texas. Dean, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, David, can you hear me? I can. Uh, I was wondering, are you familiar with South Korean politics at all? Only in passing. So South Korea has kind of had a historical problem with their presidents. They've sent uh, Lee Myung-bak for embezzlement and bribery. He's gone to jail for a long time. Park Geun-hye is a female president. She's been to jail for abuse of power, bribery, coercion, leaking government secrets. Even the the former president, Moon, he's under investigation. He he could go to jail. My question is to um why a democratic country like South Korea has no issues prosecuting and jailing former presidents and politici- politicians, but the U.S. can't. Do you think culture and tradition trump law? I do. I do. And, you know, if you go to my birth country of Argentina, you'll see there is also a long tradition of uh, corruption and arguable criminality from presidents and leaders. And uh, the the last one, the previous one seems almost always to be under investigation and the, the dynamics within countries. Uh, I think sometimes maybe the right term is that there are these uh, over time implicitly, it's not like people sit down and say, here we jail former leaders. And then in another country, people sit down and say, here we do not jail former leaders. I believe that it's small decisions over time that are a combination of how the judicial system and court system, the judiciary is set up, how judges are chosen, uh, cultural attitudes towards misdeeds by elected officials. All these little things together lead to some countries where it's completely typical that uh, you you jail former leaders and others where you don't. It, it also exists in the U.S. at the state by state level. I mean, look at New Jersey's history of prosecuting former governors which I mean, you could say, well, they've had a lot of more criminality among former Jersey governors compared to another state. But there also seems to be something there about expectation. So I think it's all of these things. Okay, so you think like the fear of public retribution or violence impacts our justice system that I don't know specifically. It's it's possible. That's possible. But we'd really have to ask more to understand people's attitudes. But I think there is a cultural component and there's also a sort of cumulative component over time related to expectations. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, taking my call. All right. Dean from Dallas. Thank you very, very much for the call. Let's go next to Tristan from Oregon. Tristan, welcome to the program. Hi, David. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, David. Um, it's been a long time since I've called your show. I'm, I'm the blind guy who called your show a couple of years ago during the height of the pandemic. I was a, uh, dealing with some back backlog grocery issues at the time. Okay. Great yeah. to hear from well, you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so two questions. One's much more relevant, relevant than the other. Um, I know on one of your recent streams, you 
You said that you were a fan of chocolate babka. I just got recently introduced to the world of chocolate babka via Trader Joe's. And I just wanted to get your opinion. Like, is that Trader Joe's chocolate babka any good? <laughs> I have no idea. I've never had it. I've never had it. Um, you know, I, I do think that I don't know what the situation necessarily is where you are as far as babka goes. But if you could find like a Jewish deli that has babka, I might go there before I go to Trader Joe's. But maybe the Trader Joe's chocolate babka is fine. I mean, I've already tried it is excellent of the highest order, I must say. So okay. I imagine I imagine the Jewish deli would be otherworldly. In maybe other words. so. Maybe so. Yeah. Um, but listen, it's it's good. It's good if you can find it at all. I think that's a good start. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but on to my next question. Uh, just given all of this sort of atmosphere that we have in this country and Trump's announcement on Tuesday, yep. um, just with everything going on, and this is a very sort of philosophical, esoteric question. Mm. Um, My favorite but, type of question. Uh, yeah. Um, how much time do you think we've bought American democracy just in terms of the election and Trump's announcement? You're saying with his announcement, how much time we bought? Well, just the totality of it, the election and, and, and his announcement and just the general political oh. sort of atmosphere. I mean, listen, I don't for me, it's so the results of the midterms to some degree are reassuring, although Republicans are still taking the House and they almost took the Senate, but they didn't. And, you know, it's going to be two years of gridlock. But to some degree, at least enough people cared about the outcome to hold off an actual red wave. On the other hand, with Trump's announcement, Trump's announcement itself was pretty dystopian. But what I'm a little bit reassured by is how boring everybody in the room found it and how in all the polling that's recent, Trump seems to be losing in most of the polls to DeSantis, who hasn't even announced his candidacy. So I have like a small, cautious optimism that the Republican Party is ready to be done with Trump. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I had to actually tune away from his, his announcement because I just I was falling asleep. And I it, was was so mess boring. Sleep it was incredible. It was a lot of the same stuff he's been doing at the rallies, but presented in a more boring monotone combined with I'm running for president. It was very strange. Very, very strange. I, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um, do you think that like if Trump loses in the primaries to DeSantis or somebody else, do you think he's going to keep claiming fraud or do you think he's going to pivot somehow? Like, I hope that he can't... runs as an independent if that happens, just because it would be so terrible for the Republican Party. I don't I'm not you know kind of holding my breath, but it would be amazing for, for Trump to just run as an independent take like 15 percent of the Republican vote and prevent the Republican uh, nominee from winning. That would be great. Yeah, you, you, you definitely have a point there. I hope he does, too. Well, that's all I had. Da Tristan, uh, just remind Thank me of uh, your blindness. Tell me about it. Are, are you, I just don't remember. Are you completely blind? I am completely blind and both eyes have been since I was born. Yeah. So you this is if I, I know that this is not new ground, but like if I say to you, that like the background of my set is blue. Does that have any meaning to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, so just throughout my lifetime, I've just kind of been able to contextualize what colors are. I remember like asking my dad, what is black like? What is red like? And, you know, red is like the bright, you know, sort of, you know, I remember being on, you know, describing it 
while I was engaged in some substances, like, man, it's like, it's like you're, it's loud to the eyes and, you know, blue is kind of like, it's softer, but it is, has a bright color. Uh, it, it's hard. Interesting. Um, they have some meaning to me, but it, 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 it can, it can be a little tricky, but. And, and yeah. Just, it, and so you have no idea what I look like, right? Not really. No. I mean, I know you've described yourself a little bit, but I don't have any idea what you look like now. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Wow. Uh, well, Tristan, listen, I appreciate you calling in and uh, we're going to keep an eye. It sounds like you and I are keeping an eye on a lot of the same thing. So I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much, David. You All take right. care. You too. There is Tristan from Oregon. Great to hear from him. Let's go. Uh, why don't we go next? I mean, why not? Right. Let's go to Bryce from Scotland. Bryce, welcome. Oh, hey, sir. Can you hear me fine? You sound like you're completely underwater. Your audio is totally muddled. Okay. Uh, I will do my best to try. Oh, that's a little better. That. Is that a little better? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Second. Well, what was your question, Bryce? Let's see if we can understand each other. Uh, right, I'll do. I'll do my best. Yeah. Uh, not trying to be too pessimistic, but um, do you think there's a way at all? Obviously, you've probably seen the joke that UK politics is at the minute with three prime ministers in seven weeks. Sorry, what's happening in seven happen. weeks, Bryce? Ah, uh, sorry. Uh, let me. Just, I'm Bryce, I'm going to let you go for now just because the, the audio is it's it's not maybe it's me. I might be having an issue, but um, I'm going to let you go for now and let's see if we can let's see if we can reset. Uh, let's try. Uh, oh, I don't know. How about Nate from Rhode Island? What's going on, Nate? Hey, David, how you doing? I'm doing well. So I had a question for you. It's not as mainstream, but it's about the Second Amendment. So, you know, the first. Uh, sentence of the Second Amendment states uh, about uh, regulation of well-regulated militia. Does that mean we could regulate them to the point of like Japan, for instance? Like, and not not to say that I doubt this court, current court wouldn't strike it down. But what do you think about that? No. Th so the, a lot of those semantic Second Amendment arguments have all <laughs> kind of been explored and and they're just kind of retreads. So I, I don't know the answer to that there. It's not where I would be focusing my mm -hmm. activism on gun safety regulation. Yeah. I would be focusing on let's do the things we know we can do that don't yeah. depend on the linguistic um, uh, nuances of how it's written. And instead say, like, we got to eliminate the possibility of any gun sales without a background check. We've yeah. got to limit high capacity magazines. You know, we have this full list. I would focus there instead of on these linguistic uh, concerns. OK, well, thank you. I just had that thought in my head for a little while and wanted to get that out. Thank you so much for taking my call. Appreciate it very much. Let's take a very quick break. We're going right back to the phone. So if you're holding on to talk to me, don't hang up and we'll get back in just a minute. 
One of our sponsors today is Blue Chew, a unique online service delivering the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. And they're giving my audience an entire month's supply for free. So if you think you could benefit from an extra boost of confidence, all you have to do is take a short quiz on their website. A licensed doctor approves your prescription. The medication comes straight to your home within days in a discreet package. No driving around to the doctor's office or the pharmacy. No waiting around. No awkward conversations with your doctor. All of Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. The entire process is just a few clicks. Go to bluechew.com. The link is in the podcast notes, and they'll give you an entire month's supply for free when you use promo code PACMAN. That's P A K M A N. All you do is pay $5 for shipping. If you have a friend or loved one who is passionate about the environment, here is a perfect holiday gift. Our sponsor, Established Titles, is a project that lets you ceremonially purchase as little as one square foot of dedicated land in Edelston, Scotland, so that you can call yourself a lord or a lady like the historic Scottish tradition. Some people even change their plane tickets or credit cards to include lord or lady. Your title pack comes with an official certificate. You can see exactly where your plot of land is located. It makes a perfect last minute gift. But most importantly, established titles plants one free tree for every plot of land sold. Established titles does really good work all over the world with reforestation organizations like One Tree Planted and Trees for the Future. So you'll have a great laugh whether you're Scottish or not. I'm not. But you're giving the gift of reforestation to fight climate change. If you use my link, you'll get 10 percent off and your plot of land will be right next to mine. You can see it on a map. Go to EstablishedTitles.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman for an extra 10 percent off on top of their Black Friday deal. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's go back to discord and talk to a few more people. Uh, David slash discord is the place to find it. Why don't we go next to Thomas from Denmark? Thomas, welcome to the program. Thank you, David. Um, just a quick question about um, gun laws and um, how uh, Republic, uh, Republicans, they, uh, they view it, um, uh, types like Ted Cruz. What will you, what do you think it will take to to change um, the, the the way they um, they look on gun laws or how sorry sorry it it doesn't do um, oh, it's not bad. Thomas uh, just- oh and Thomas Thomas is gone oh boy uh, all right let's try Jer- I hope this is correct Jeray from Atlanta is that how I pronounce it. Pronounce Jaira. Uh, you're okay though. Jaira from Atlanta. Welcome, Jaira. I apologize. Right here. Uh, so I was in an argument with an election, and I was telling him how the burden of proof is on the people claiming that the election is false. And he made like a point about how like people on the right just don't trust the elections. And I told him that the reason they don't trust the elections is because political figures like Trump tell them that they can't trust it. Correct. And he brought up the point how. 
uh, like Trump was in support of the vaccine, was telling his supporters to get it, uh, but they didn't really like blindly follow him on that issue. I didn't know how to counter that, so I was kind of asked like how you would counter that. You, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be countered. I mean, it's just they're they're two different things. So on the vaccines, the issue was Trump initially convinced some people on vaccines by saying he developed them. Okay. But then the rollout of the vaccines was mostly under Joe Biden. So then a lot of them were able to kind of off ramp by saying, well, it's not it's less about the vaccines per se, which Trump did do a good job in developing. But it's about how they're being forced upon me by Joe Biden. So for a lot of it was just a different situation when it comes to the election stuff. They got the idea that it was stolen from the things Trump said and Mike Pillow and Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. I mean, where else would they get it? Where else would they get it? And then on the vaccine thing, if you present them with what what we're talking about here, a lot of them would say, well, I was able to do my own research on the vaccines like the research is a joke and it's nonsense. But when it comes to the election stuff, it's not about research they did. It's just quite literally the stuff that Trump and others have been saying. So I don't even really get the analogy. It's one of these kind of weird analogies that doesn't really make any sense. Got you. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for the call. Appreciate hearing from our friends in Georgia. Remember to vote. Remember to vote in Georgia. Let's go to Kevin from San Diego. Kevin, welcome. What's on your mind? Hi there, David. Um, first of all, I'll say, sir, thank you for telling me to go to Puesto last time I was there. It was uh, incredible. Really? Oh, my God. Did you get the brisket taco? Uh, I did not. I, oh. Did you say the brisket taco? I got the I got the filet mignon tacos. I got the I got the ones with the filet mignon and uh, lobster in them. And they were it was like the best tacos I've ever had. It that sounds amazing. criminal. That sounds criminal. Yeah, no, it's it, it should be criminalized, yeah. honestly. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> OK. On, on on that, that's that's a that's a good thing that's happened. But uh, unfortunately, we seem to be sliding towards uh, a bit of a, a bit of a fascism um, mm-hmm. here. Um, I'm thinking that, like, do you agree that it would be? It would be best if we had like Trump v. DeSantis get really ugly and they I don't know if other people have talked about this before. I joined a little late, but. Nobody um, has talked about it other than me yeah. earlier in the week. I my sure. concern with this entire primary that is building wherein Trump has announced and DeSantis hasn't. But there's polls where he's already winning DeSantis. That is mm-hmm. my priority is whatever scenario will get these people to destroy themselves and each other. Mm-hmm. And yep. right now, the most likely destructive path forward is you have a very ugly primary wherein the Trump and the DeSantis people, if DeSantis runs, hate each other so that when hopefully DeSantis wins the primary. And the reason I say that is DeSantis won't go and run third party, but Trump might. DeSantis wins the primary. Trump goes and runs third party, takes a bunch of his supporters because they hate DeSantis and Mm -hmm. just splits the vote and a Democrat easily wins. That to me seems like the dream scenario right now. Yeah, I mean, and I think that Trump is probably like, aware that that could happen, but he's still too like arrogant and narcissistic to not do it if he doesn't take the primary in the first place. Like That's if he doesn't hope. win, I, I I don't see any way he he just like lets it go and doesn't 
Yeah, he's because he, he's he's just he's just too crazy to not do that. I believe that you are exactly right, which is Trump may be so narcissistic that even if he intellectually understands or has people around him saying you will just hand this to a Democrat if you run third party, I hope he does it anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, but I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The first question is, does he win the primary? We're assuming he doesn't. He still might. Yeah, he still might. And that would be bad. I just think that, like, there's enough things where the Republicans are like kind of even if even not counting the, the current primary, there's like the the Supreme Court, uh, the Morby Harper. I, I don't remember yep. exactly what which the one that was um, that that's deciding things so that the states can make their own things with no federal no, their own election rules with no federal oversight. Indeed. Um, which if that is decided by the court in favor of like the what the Republicans want, um, I feel like there's a bunch of states that are just going to be like, oh, yes, the Republicans won again, no matter what. Uh, basically, they're going to make rules to to not necessarily to, to, you know, decide the elections against what people actually voted, but essentially suppress enough of the vote and uh, make it so only the places that they know are going to be voting for Republicans are going to count, essentially. Indeed. And uh, then they'll they'll never be won by anyone uh, anywhere close to progressive again. That is a horrible of uh, we're we're it's horrible what you're saying, but it's a few steps ahead. So let's reserve judgment and see what happens next, if that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, well, it's not bad to think about it just to plan ahead. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. But uh, I appreciate the call. Yeah, it's nice talking to you. All right. There is Kevin from San Diego. Let's go next to how about. uh, Oh, no, I don't want to go to this person. I'm getting a notification that their audio is just a disaster. Let's go to uh, Guillaume from beautiful Montreal. I, I understand you got snow last night, Guillaume. Uh, yes. Can you hear me right? I can hear you fine. Perfect. And I'm not going to say it last night because it's still coming on. Ah, it's still snowing. Uh, yep. Pretty, pretty big one. I'm probably going to have to shovel somewhere tonight, too. Beautiful. Uh, so how's the weather on your side? The weather's good. Uh, no snow here. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't remember when we last spoke. I am considering making my next return to Montreal very, very soon as I have friends and family there. And it's been a while since I've been there in winter. Last time I was there in January, my nose would instantly freeze when I would step out into the street. If, to give a recommendation as to when, maybe closer to mid to when February. Well, oh, uh, oh I see. That's all, that's already better. Uh, the the weather at that point is usually not less cold, but less aggressive. If you okay. get what I'm. All right, I'll try to make that happen. But uh, let, this isn't about me. What's on your mind today? So the last couple times we talked, um, I threw hypotheticals out there, but I it was mostly me trying to uh, formulate the best way I could, and then I decided to just wait after the midterms, be, so as to not get accused of uh, trying to influence anything. Uh, but there was a question that came up. Uh, I was on Twitter a lot recently. I know, my bad. That's on me, I guess. Uh, and a lot of the conversations uh, ended up uh, moving towards people attacking the moderation of Twitter. Yeah. Working along with the U.S. government, which I'm not entirely sure they were that active with they might have been in communication i don't know uh for censorship when most of what we could see was essentially 
the 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 uh, I'm not entirely sure what agency would have worked with Twitter that front, but it was trying to reduce the impact of Russian misinformation on influencing the midterms. Yeah. The question was, well, the, the problem was the persons to whom I was talking to all all about we should allow Russian misinformation to affect the U.S. elections and whatnot. And that brought to me the major question of with the U.S. trying to push their nose into literally every other country's economy and uh, government system and everything, maybe without necessarily trying to give them a, a vote or any actual power, why don't we uh, – uh, trying to phrase it – why don't you guys more regularly consider what other countries think about candidates? In terms of trying well, to, but these, there's and... two different things here. So there's actually three different things here, Guillaume. So the first one is: is there not a hypocrisy in that the U.S. has interests in leaders around the world and works to influence the way elections go, occasionally or sometimes, and yet Definitely. says it's wrong when other countries try to do it to the U.S. Yes. That is a double standard, but every country does that. Every country wants to have a say about their own leaders and to have a say about everyone else's leaders. So it's a hypocrisy that is not unique to the United States. However, the United States has the resources to maybe better affect what happens in other countries more so than other countries. That's number one. You still with me about it at times. Sorry, what was that, Gail? And I said some at times they can get really aggressive about it. I mean, we're not absolutely real. Absolutely. So there's one thing. It is a double standard. OK, yep. second part of it. Shouldn't Americans care more what the world thinks about the leaders we pick? My opinion is that the answer is yes. Now, that doesn't mean that people around the world should get votes. That's not what I'm saying. But for example, I'm, when I think about when George W. Bush was president and the world was essentially against the invasion of Iraq and Republicans here said that doesn't matter. We do what's best for us. I think it would be smarter and more sophisticated to say, well, it would be good to know why the world is against this invasion, even though ultimately we do what we do. Let's actually think about that. And similarly, when world opinion of Trump was very low and world opinion of Biden is higher, I don't say, oh, those are sissy Europeans. Who cares? I say that's interesting. I want to know more about why, because it's important to me what the world thinks about what we're doing here. So to answer that question, the answer is absolutely yes. But these are sort of a couple different things you're asking about. I guess um, the, there's the fact that I was not entirely sure how to bring it up. Well, um, you did beautifully. Yeah, you really did. I mean, the, there's the whole uh, there, there's the whole aspect of according to the people I was talking to, Russian misinformation is all good, all Gucci. Everything should be accepted and seen as fact. But oh, you damn communist ca- uh, Canadians over there, you yeah. don't dare I mean, say listen, a single word about that. As it specifically applies to your friend, I, I don't I don't find your friend to be uh, particularly you know sophisticated in in their thinking. But but I hope I've at least outlined a few of a few of my thoughts, Guillaume. I've got to run. Okay, I appreciate you calling. Yeah, have a great day. All right, there we go. Always good to hear from Guillaume from Montreal.
Let's try Bert from Jersey. Bert, are you able to get right into your question? Yes, I am. You hear me okay, David? I hear you fine. Okay. Thank you for taking. Uh, here's my question. Um, you know, you hear a lot of Trumpers and Trump people, you know, uh, they talk about his accomplishments, the, comp the country is moving in the right direction, uh, you know, all these subjective things that's hard to deny. What I don't understand is if you look at Trump's fiscal record, right? We are eight trillion more in debt from him from, from the beginning of when he started to where he is today, right? He's supposed to be this financial genius. He's supposed to be the businessman. And yet he added more debt in four years than any US president ever in that history, that time period. So like there's a lot of criticism of Trump and you know, Stormy Daniels, all you know, like the list goes on. You never hear any criticism of his financial record. So why is that? I and mean, wh where is it? Well it's so obvious. You're saying economically? Economically, right. We are eight trillion poorer after Trump than before him. Yeah. I mean, listen, most people don't even understand the difference between the debt and deficit and are confused right. about reducing the deficit versus reducing the debt. And and so it's honestly ignorance is a big reason why this conversation isn't had more. You say to someone, hey, uh, uh, Biden reduced the deficit and then they go, right. no, but the debt has continued to increase. Right. Biden slowed down the rate at which the debt is increasing. You've lost people. So a lot of this, quite frankly, with that particular issue is people don't know what's going on. They don't understand it. And I've tried so many times to explain the difference. But I do think there are easier metrics to look at stock market, GDP, job creation, unemployment, inflation, consumer confidence, in et cetera. And on average, because, yeah. all of those do better under Democratic presidents. So I tend to focus there. The thing is this, their their big accomplishment is that, oh, he, the, financially, we were the economy was booming. Everyone was doing great. Well, no, we're not. We're as a result of his policies and him, him uh, cutting taxes and increasing spending. We're eight trillion poor. We are, the, the so, debt is higher without obvious. a doubt. But I, I concede that there were many economic indicators that were strong under under Trump. I just don't think it had anything to do with Trump being president, if that makes sense. But um, I guess he just, you never hear people criticize about this. this never you don't No, You're right. And like I said, I think a lot of people don't don't even understand the, the difference the between that and deficit. Bert, I got I apologize. Let's keep it to yeah. one thing today because I'm up against the clock and I got to run. OK, thank you. All right. There we go. Uh, it, it's a good question. We should be talking more about that. People don't even get it. So you're sort of like trying to tread water with people that are trying to pull you under. It's a sad situation. Let's go to a break. Uh, we will take calls again. And I apologize. I wasn't able to get to everybody. I love cooking at home. I cook all the time. Having a good set of knives that you actually like to use is really important. For years, I have been a fan of the advantages that Japanese knives offer. And our sponsor, Kamikoto, makes amazing Japanese steel kitchen knives using the traditional techniques that date back to the Edo period of Japan. Kamikoto only uses steel from Japan. Each blade takes years to craft and goes through a rigorous 19 step inspection process with a lifetime guarantee. The knives come in a beautiful heavy duty ash wood box, makes it a really great gift, easy to store as well. On the Kamikoto website, you can see a map of the Michelin star chefs all over the world using Kamikoto knives. My Kamikoto knives at home 
have been performing great for years. You really just can't beat the feel of a nice Japanese knife, perfectly balanced in your hand. And Kamikoto is now running a big Black Friday sale. My audience gets an extra $50 off. Go to Kamikoto.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for an extra $50 off. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, let's get to uh, audience emails, the mailbag for the week. You can email info at davidpackman.com. There are some very aggressive ones this week, and I will let you know. Sometimes a tweet will be used. Sometimes a, uh, a YouTube comment might be included or a Facebook comment or whatever the case may be. We start today with Donnie via Facebook, who, and I'm going to try to do my best reading of this that I can. Donnie had an opinion and wrote in shortly after the uh, midterm election and said, suffer from TDS much, you pedo-supporting libtard goof. Go sniff a little kid like your potato-in-chief pedo Joe. Then go smoke crack with Hunter and F some hookers, you, and you is misspelled almost every time, effing libtard loser goof. They then got our standard auto response that, you know, I'm not going to be writing them back. And then they wrote back, get effed. So someone very much struggling with uh, emotions and that type of thing. I do often wonder, like, what type of job could this person have? Could this be your accountant, for example, where you go in and they go, listen, uh, I would advise you to take the uh, full 179 uh, depreciation on your uh, new 6,000 pound vehicle. Excuse me a second. You pedo sniffing. Sorry, I'm just writing a message. Go get. Are these people our doctors, our accountants, et cetera, uh, or not? Just a question. I don't know. I never know the answer. Next message is another person on teaching transgender. This person wrote in and said, you lie when you say they don't teach about trans. It happened to my son and daughter at a young age. You P.O.S. Who can't define woman? I don't know if that's a question or a statement. You looked like such a loser on Michael Knowles show. Laughable how smug of a liberal you looked like. And what's wrong with singing our national anthem? Leave then. That's a classic. You don't like it. Leave. It's progressives like you who change everything good in this country. I know it's like we have weekends now and we have minimum standards for health insurance and minimum standards for education. <laughs> Give me a break, dude. You're all sick. And yes, I just paid five fifty for gas and our store said they were late getting turkeys. What guy talks about cooking a beautiful chicken? See, you change traditions. I, I guilty as charged. OK. For me. Spending. What is it? six hours with a turkey in the oven and then you get it out and the, the dark meat is just it's just not that good, guys. Let's not pretend like turkey's that great. OK, and then you've got the breast and you're slicing it and it's enormous and you're checking. Is it done or not? I say get yourself a couple of just nicely sized pasture raised organic chickens, beautifully crispy skin takes 45 to 75 minutes in the oven. 
Everybody's happy. It's just better. I'm not telling you to change your tradition. I'm just telling you it's better. And by the way, plenty of turkeys at every grocery store I've been going to. Okay, Casey wrote in. Casey says, David, seeing that many of Trump's handpicked candidates underperformed and a clear split in the Republican Party is about to materialize. Do you think it's at all likely Trump runs as an independent in 24? If the Republican Party and media turn against him, what do you think would happen if he just took his base with him and started his own party? I doubt he'll do it or that it would occur to him, but it's something I could see him doing, if nothing else, out of pure narcissism. I think that that's actually the critical part of this question. If Trump actually cared about the Republican Party, we would all be saying he would never do that. He would never run as an independent because it would almost ensure, even if he just brought over 10 percent of the Republican vote, 15 percent, some small, relatively small amount, he guarantees Democrats win. But that's if Trump cared about the Democratic, uh, the Republican Party. Trump doesn't care about the Republican Party. That's the reality. And therefore, I do think it's possible that Trump might run as an independent out of desperation, out of humiliation, if indeed DeSantis just outright defeats him in a primary. I hope it happens. I think it would be a great thing for the country in that it would hurt both Trump and whoever is the eventual Republican nominee. I love it. We should encourage Trump to do it. Ellen wrote in uh, about MAGA as a mental illness. This is interesting. Ellen says, hey, David, a few times on your show, you've wondered aloud about the cause of the MAGA condition. You expressed concern that you might be overstepping by calling out their behavior if it's mental illness that's causing it. I think it's good you're considering that. It shows your empathy. But I also suspect you believe, as I do, that their their causes are multiple and nuanced, and you're going to keep doing it because the bottom line is we can't become apathetic towards the movement. I think the way you handle them is fine. Very little mocking there, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, when we say is MAGA a mental illness in some of those people. I'm not laughing at it. I think we need to deal with mental illness in this country. If we determine, I mean, listen, I want undiagnosed and untreated mental illness to be diagnosed and to be treated. That whatever it is. And if that mental illness is part of why someone falls for MAGA delusion, it's good to treat it both because It's better to help people when they're struggling with mental illness, and it might prevent us from going down this insane path of Trumpism once again. So I appreciate Ellen's comment very much. Eric wrote in, are people like Mike Lindell and Herschel Walker part of the MAGA grift or victims of it? This is another interesting perspective from Eric. Eric says, hey, David, do you think people like Mike Lindell and Herschel Walker are knowingly part of the MAGA grift? Or were they victims of it? What I mean is, do these mid-level front men know it's all a grift or are they just patsies being exploited due to their celebrity status and psychological vulnerability? For example, I don't think Herschel Walker woke up one morning and decided running for the U.S. Senate is the next logical step in his professional and personal life. Obviously, somebody approached him with the idea. Likewise, Mike Pillow is destroying himself financially and seems to be used by other people as a pawn and ATM machine for, I guess, their own profit and ambition. The reason I ask this is, while we can't change the minds of MAGA followers directly, 
it would be great if we could find a way to wake up these linchpin people to reality. Yeah, I uh, I don't know the answer to that. Mike Pillow seems like a true believer. Herschel Walker kind of seems like he might have been grifted in with appeals to his narcissism and ego. And that's what you have to understand. Ego is a common thing. Okay, if you have a show like mine on some fundamental level, you think your opinions are interesting enough for other people to listen to them rather than to just make their own show. Right. So, like, can it be denied that on some level I must think, well, I don't know what I have to say is at least interesting enough that I should make a show with elected officials. This is significantly bigger. And we've looked at traits of narcissism, et cetera. And what happens with a lot of these people is they become convinced like Trump did and apparently like Herschel Walker, that they're somehow needed by the country, that they're doing some great thing. And um, I wonder whether at this point it's too late for Herschel Walker to be talked out of that. He may soon be gone if we do our job in uh, in the state of Georgia. And uh, we'll get back to that in a moment. Interesting uh, email from Julian. Julian says, interesting subreddit drama. David, an interesting segment for the bonus show or something could be reading replies on the conservative subreddit. Very interesting to see what some of them are saying about Trump. Imagine he runs as an independent in 24 and splits the vote. I recommend checking this out as it reminds me of the betting market segments in terms of indication of conservative opinion. Yeah, if you check out the conservative subreddit, like reddit.com slash r slash conservative, you will find that there is a not insignificant portion that is mad at Trump and ready to abandon Donald Trump. Now, what, if anything, it tells us about 24? I think it's just way too early, but it's interesting. Let's deal with the December runoff first. Kerry wrote in and said, please come to Georgia. We need you. I am figuring out, Kerry, how can I get as involved as possible in Georgia, given that I don't think I can make it down there in the next few weeks? And we're going to be doing a bunch of stuff critically important to get 51 rather than 50. Imagine a a supposed red wave. In which Democrats gain a seat in the Senate. I mean, that's just that's amazing. Brian wrote in Brian has sad news and says you lost a daily listener. I'm sure you don't care, but I actually loved your show prior to the last few days with all your negativity, which never happened. Sorry need more positive in my life. I know you want to keep it real, but holy cow, your negativity was the worst. I'm switching to mighty Midas as I watched them as well. And they were dead on right with all their content and even head on a guest that nailed the election that Fox News had made fun of. Their guest was 100 percent right. Listen. I was. As honest as possible in the lead up to the midterm. I said the momentum had shifted to Republicans, and that is indeed the case. What over the summer was looking like a much bigger Democratic victory in the Senate came down to just one or two seats. A lot of these races ended up way closer. Look at Fetterman Oz way closer than it was supposed to be in July. I correctly told you the momentum is going to the Republicans. And I said the specific numbers may be skewed because of right wing polls that are being included in the averages. I was very upfront. And the most important thing I said was we're so close 
that the polling no longer matters. It's about voting. Oh, Fetterman's up three or down two. Doesn't matter. If we are allowed to vote in Pennsylvania, we vote in Pennsylvania. Um, so, yes, Brian is done with this show because of that, because of something, I guess, that I don't really understand. I do appreciate all the very nice messages I got from people saying, David, I think you struck the right balance between this is the polling. Here are the limitations. Here's what might be going on and making sure that everybody votes. That was the critical uh, um, message. And enough people did, including 18 to 29 year olds, that the red wave ended up being potentially a ripple. Uh, We have a great bonus show for you today. Sign up at joinpacman.com. And of course, we will be back Monday with much, much, much more.